comic book pit. Okay. Welcome to Comic Book Pit. This is uh, episode 294. I'm Dan. I'm Jared. And I'm Scott. And we are here with the artist of the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and many other things, <laughs> uh, Robert Hack. Hi, how's it going? Good. Thanks for being with us, Robert. Uh, really, thanks for asking. Yeah, we really appreciate you being on the show. I mean, actually, I, I'm, I feel bad it's taking this long. Because yeah. you're a local guy, we're local guys. I, I'm right down the road. You could just find me at any time. I'm I'm always working. I'm always Sorry. in the studio. Just come knock uh-huh. on your door. Then so we, so that's an open invitation. Just like come hang out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is that is tough. Yeah. That's that's fun. I mean, no, but yeah. It's like, oh, I, I, guys, I gotta go. <laughs> just got awkward. So. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, I think it uh, goes without saying that it's probably been an interesting uh, couple of months for you. It, it has been that, yes. So, the Chilling yeah. Adventures of Sabrina is kind of like blowing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, the you know, so like, I'm just interested, like, like walk us, if there's a, I don't even know if there's a brief version, but like, what, like, how did this all happen? Like, what was the, like, what, like from your perspective, like, what was the process? Like, it, you started working on the book with uh, Roberto. Roberto. With the, the the chilling adventures of Sabrina comic and or with Archie and, and everything, how did that blossom into the Netflix series? Uh, uh, well, Roberto comes from TV. It's uh, Roberto Agarasacasa. Uh, uh, he came from TV. He worked on the HBO show Looking. He worked on Glee. Glee is how he got uh, started working at Archie. Mm-hmm. It started with an Archie meets Glee crossover. Oh, I remember that. Okay. Uh, then he started talking with John Goldwater, and then that all snowballed. Riverdale came about, and then that's how. Uh, because Roberto is a force of nature. <laughs> uh, Roberto was working on a lot of TV, working on Glee. Uh, got started with the Archie folks with Glee. We had been working uh, for about a year on the comic when Roberto started reaching out uh, to producers. And it was, it was nearly a movie. Uh, 2015, hmm. it was very nearly almost announced. Like it, it was teased at one of the conventions. Like oh, there, there's movie that. news coming. Wow. And then I think... That production company had a movie bomb that weekend, mm-hmm. and then they didn't want another female-led uh, mm. uh, movie based on uh, an existing property, like, immediately in the pipeline. Gotcha. Uh, so that fell through, and I didn't hear about it for the longest time, and, and Roberto kept working. Uh, after that, Riverdale came out, and, and that is a, <laughs> a tween force of nature. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I get tagged into a lot of the stuff... Uh, <laughs> on social media, yeah, and just ravenous fans, and it was pretty clear that there would be some sort of spinoff. That, that something that popular just doesn't. Mm-hmm. And and he had been working with the CW on creating a Sabrina show. Uh, that announcement went out. Um, there was uh, the CW didn't want uh, two wit shows premiering in the same season. So they passed and it went to Netflix. Oh, because they have Charm. Because they have the, the, the Charm the reboot new, was announced the at Charm, the same right. time. Okay. Right. Uh, so uh, that passed to Netflix. Netflix jumped on it and has been a brilliant partner. They they have been very, very encouraging, very free. But it's been uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, and then the first uh, season of Sabrina dropped just a few days ago. Yeah. And you can now see how much freedom they had to just go wild. Yeah. Did you? Have you watched it? I haven't watched I it. Watched I, the I watched the first episode Yeah, last I watched night. the first episode last night. Strong. It was, yeah, strong. Okay. Really enjoyed Which it. Which I have two questions from my wife. Okay. <laughs> one question from my wife, one comment. Did they send you pictures of the actors when you did your drone? Yes. You did your, okay. Yeah, they, they, they contacted me about working on the credits, and they, they sent me reference, uh, a ton of reference for each of the actors, uh, some of the locations, okay. uh, oh. the goat monster. 
Yeah. Oh, that was awesome. She, she asked me, I'm like, I'm, I'm guessing so. And, and then her comment was, they didn't even put his name in the credits. So. <laughs> I should have hidden it in there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was her question. No, it was very strong. You can see the, um, well, the freedom of Netflix. Because mm-hmm. there's just things I don't see that happen on a CW show. I know it's Greg Berlanti's involved with that as well. Yeah, I, I saw his from name. From Flash. So yeah, I mean that's in, in mixed the in screen's there. quality. So like when we were watching, all this, I was like, "That's the guy I'm talking to. Where he drew all this, and like that guy wrote the comic, and that guy makes the Flash. Like, so this should be good." Okay. <laughs> yeah, it turned out fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really happy with it. Keeping the tone of the book. Mm-hmm. I liked how I couldn't tell when it took place. Mm-hmm. But I'm like this thing. Like I, I haven't seen a cell phone. These cars look old, but they're talking about like they're watching Night of the Living Dead, which we just my wife and I just went and saw. Mm-hmm. I feel the theater was playing it this past week. Yeah. So that was like fresh in her mind. I'm like they're watching. She's talking about zombies like in a historical context. I'm like I don't know. It's very cool. I like sort of like mm-hmm. how like, you can't really pin that down. Yeah. Uh, before I, I had talked to production because that's the question I had. Like because well, I'd seen since I'm like when is it taking place? Because um, I was trying to pin it down from leaked photos and. Uh, set stuff because I could just ask Roberto but that's mm-hmm. that's not as much yeah. fun. although we, we, we do see I just realized we do see her cousin Ambrose using a laptop oh really yeah okay, uh, okay. so that yeah that kind of yeah. maybe pins it down a little bit but, okay. but yeah but no, not well, a lot of it's, it's like modern technology nebulous like still mesh, could be like, it's like if you took the last 50 years and just mushed it together, that's where yeah, it takes yeah, place. Yeah. 1930. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, that's, and it's, it's sort of like the film It Follows, which mm. was just nebulous in when it was mm-hmm, set. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I uh, it was trying to pin down what it was because I'd see, oh, they've got this movie poster, so it takes place after 1975. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, but then uh, there was a Garfield doll in, okay, the, in like yeah. one of the photos oh, that's that, the, that the set department posted. So I'm like, all right, so it has to be after 80-something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I asked, and they're like, it's, it's, it's sort of like it follows. It's a nebulous time. Uh, yeah. Roberto didn't want to put screens in it, so there's no, no modern, mm. modern technology. Okay. Like, you don't oh. even see Ambrose's screen. You don't see the front right. of his laptop. Oh. It, it's yeah. just there it's telling, telling you that... <laughs> There yeah. could be modern Right, stuff. you don't know what right. he's doing, he just has a laptop. His laptop yeah. has a tube monitor. Otherwise, all of, all of the cars, all of the the cars, cars and clothes like period. Everything are, are just sort of classic. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, nice. yeah, there's yeah. A, it's, 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 and it's a nice very, range of about 40 years. Yeah, yeah. it's got a very cool aesthetic. Everything about mm-hmm. it is very strong when I keep mm-hmm. watching it. Well, it's, it's funny because it's almost like the, the, the town of Greendale is just like... It's it's out of time, like mm-hmm. because she even says in the in the opening monologue she says you know the town of Greendale where it always seems to be like it's perpetually Halloween, mm. like it always seems to be fall or oh, something. Nice. Yeah. So it's kind of neat that like they're always in this autumn season, mm. but they just it's almost like they don't recognize it. Yeah. They don't realize it. They're always kind of not quite bundled up, but it's always sweater weather. Yeah. And, and the book is very much the same way. That's that's yeah. very much the autumnal tone we keep with the, with the entire book. Yeah, and even I feel even like uh, visually beyond the the subtleness of like like we said the fashion and the vehicles and even the um, the way it was shot. It always, everything seemed to have a little bit of a not like a film like a like a little bit of a cloudiness over it. Like mm-hmm. it, everything seemed softer. Yeah, you know the way it was filmed. So it was really, yeah, it was a very interesting setting. So, did you have any input into the visual, or did they? They borrowed heavily from the book, but I wasn't like once I wasn't your, offering. Your it. art style is very unique in that sense. That it also is, it was like a nebulous like yeah. time setting yeah. too. Like even the modern stuff has that throwback to mm-hmm. like pulp age. And so, like, even, like, some of your, like, modern, like, Archie yeah. covers still have that, your your color choices and everything that look... Oh, that is because I am a huge nerd. And, <laughs> and, I, and I love all of that pulp stuff. And, and I've been reading that stuff forever. I got started reading comics uh, with uh, the books that were in the public library. So it was collections of old stuff from the 30s that oh. I was reading in the yeah. early 80s. So my, my first comics... Were, were stuff from the 30s and 40s. My first Green Lantern okay. was Alan Scott, and I had this yeah. weird oh, nice. 1940s wow. childhood oh, in the yeah. 80s. <laughs> so it's like, so you're you're truly like kind of an old soul, like you your your your, your pulp <laughs> sensibilities, you know, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just a nerd. I'm, I'm, I'm just a big old pulp nerd. <laughs> That's cool. Well, I mean, still adjusting to how Jordan. All <laughs> oh, these He's kids today with their Barry <laughs> Allen. <Yeah. laughs>
a lot of your work, a lot of your like your cover art, a lot of your variant covers that are that have that they, they look like pulp covers. Mm. I mean, do people do you find that people come after you for that? Like they're they're like, hey, Robert, we we want you to do a cover that looks like, or or do they just say, do whatever you want? And, and I'd say it's about half and half. Um, I know like IDW with the Dirk Gently stuff, they came to me and said we want like pulp. Detective like variants, a, like and, a, like a and, hard-boiled and, detective, right? Looking, yeah, and Dynamite does that a lot. They bring mm-hmm. you in for a pulp thing now and again, and uh, a lot of both pulps and movie posters. And I love playing around with graphic and text. Mm-hmm. I love like because most of the covers that you see that I've done, like an, a, a, a sort of a pulp or vintage treatment, I'm doing all the lettering too. Okay, well, so I, I love combining that and, and making this sort of. This comic, this this piece of something that looks like it's very old mm-hmm. and ratty and found in a dirty bookstore, <laughs> <laughs> and just like just under been yeah. foxing on the shelves one for forty of, years. Well, what, one of my favorite things of mine that you do is that you 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 purposely put like an old price tag mm-hmm. on there somewhere, like a crooked, yellowed price tag. Yeah, like that's <laughs> odd. Like it looks like it came right, like you said, right yeah. off of a shelf. Like like that's such like a simple a thing. I'm, yeah, that's such a simple thing that I'm I'm certain. Someone has done that before I came up with it, mm-hmm. but like typically when someone's doing like a fake vintage cover, they'll put like 399 cents. Yeah, mm-hmm. they'll put the cent thing on it, and I and I, I think I had done that on like one or two covers before. I'm like that just doesn't that just screams that it's a fake vintage. Mm-hmm. How can I figure out a way? To, and they just uh-huh. sort of don't make oh like a like an old price sticker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so you said that you know you, you started reading like the old comics um, from the library collections. Would um, what, what, what came first? Was it like uh, falling in love with comics, or like had you already started drawing, or was it a mm-hmm. kind of a, like a like a, a combination? Well, I've been drawing since I could hold a crayon. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother was an artist; he wanted to be a cartoonist. Uh, so there were always art books around the house, and I just never stopped. It like there was no there was no point where I said, "Oh, maybe I could be doing this." It just kind of seem like a foregone conclusion. Yeah. And I'm really glad it worked out because I did not have a backup. <laughs> um, so I, I, but comics, because he loved comics, he wanted to be a cartoonist. They were all over the house. And, mm-hmm. and he was born in 67, so he had all these 60s and 70s books lying around. And he would point out and go, this is Jack Kirby, this is Steve Ditko, <laughs> this is C.C. Beck, they are great. Wow. So, so I knew the names before I could read them. That's that's an amazing influence to have. Yeah. I mean, because I think I, I'm assuming like we all had to discover those on our own, which was not yeah. a bad thing. Right. But no, you know, no we didn't have a, a an older guide. like an older yeah. brother to say like this is the cool stuff. Yeah. You know, like we were. Yeah. I'm like this is the Google. Yeah. Um. So what was your like? What was your journey like to get here making comics? So you've always wanted to do it. You were that kid that always wanted to draw comics. At what point did the rubber start hitting the road, and it became a way that you realized you could earn from it. Well, uh, since my brother wanted to do it, there were always uh, artist markets. And like the concept that it was a job, mm-hmm. uh, that, it, that it actually worked out, turns out to be crazy. But it was, it was always something that I knew was attainable, like as a thing people did. I, I knew Jack Curry's name. He yeah. was a person. All right, he's actually a god. But, <laughs> but, but it's like, like, like it's a person. It's a thing. It's a job. It's a thing yeah, yeah, someone yeah. does. Uh, and I started making my own comics in high school. And my brother and I found a free photocopier in the classified section, oh, and I started oh, I started printing my own comics in high school. Jeez, my senior year did not go well because I was making tons <laughs> of comics. Uh, but yeah, I start I started making my own comics, uh, printing them, selling them at school, selling them at, at the the local shops. Wow, um, that's awesome. Little little teen entrepreneur. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I was. It, it was the '90s, so I was making trading cards and and. Uh, my mom worked at Mead, and she'd get uh, sort of prism notebooks, very, very glossy. Oh, so I yeah. would cut them up, photocopy oh, comics on them, and have prism covers because oh it was gosh. 1993. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. That's, That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Which I still have somewhere in a box, but oh, yeah, wow. that, that, that was little entrepreneur me, and I, I never stopped. Uh, uh, did a ton of indie work. Uh, going through like Comic Buyer's Guide and eventually the internet, mm. uh, hooking up with publishers. Okay. Um, so so all the all the you kind of really had to cut your teeth hard like pre-internet like there was no pre-internet. It was Comic Buyer's no Guide. Art, no DeviantArt. No. Craigslist. No, 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 or nothing. This, this would have been '93. I I got the internet in '96, so it was fairly soon. But 
throughout the 90s, I was getting Comic Buyer's Guide, Wizard would have a few ads, but, oh, but, yeah. but Comic Buyer's Guide had like every small publisher in the back advertising that mm-hmm. they needed artists, and I was sending off photocopies to everybody. And I, I worked on some of those small, tiny little publishers, which mm-hmm. might be in this gigantic room full of comics. <laughs> oh, I think you can find some copies of Dinosaur Planet <laughs> or, or Crime Central tucked away in one of these boxes. I would not be surprised, especially in this store, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and from that it was just to the next biggest publisher, to the next biggest publisher, and it was just a, a long time of working at it and never giving up. I, I'm, I'm a strong believer in anyone can do yeah. <laughs> this if they don't give up. That's yeah. good, strong words. Yeah. Um, so were you? So are you for, from the time you started drawing, have you been totally like self-taught and self-disciplined, or did did you eventually like seek out any kind of formal training, or did completely you completely self-taught? This this is just several wow. decades of working at it. That's amazing. Nice. You had a good teacher. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a question too about with the license stuff, mm-hmm. and so you have to draw like licenses. My like when I read like license work, my biggest beef about some of it is that it looks very stiff because there's very focused on that. I don't see that with you. Like what? If you could talk through some of like maybe the challenges or the process of mm-hmm. being able to reconcile your own personal style with still hewing to the likeness of an ind- of an actual person. Uh, well, I, I've done a ton of that. I've worked on Doctor Who. I've I've worked on X Files. I've I've done a ton of that kind of stuff. And what was extremely beneficial to me is I spent a few years doing sketch cards uh, around the same time as I started working at IDW about 10 years ago. So all these sketch cards for Night of the Living Dead, um, Doctor Who, like all of these different properties. But with sketch cards you have zero time Mm -hmm. and it's for no money so you're just you're just churning them out as fast as you can. And in that I developed a a huge amount of personal style just working fast, working on likenesses, Because you're, you're doing, for each set, you're doing 50 cards, 100 cards, 150 wow. on some of these things. Oh and, and you're just drawing the same faces over and over. And it's just, practice and repetition. Practice and yeah. repetition uh, was a big part of it. Um, it's, it's also where um, the, the sort of textured look of some of my art, that's where that came from. Because mm-hmm. the sketch card stock would vary from set to set yeah. and was often terrible. I mean, you couldn't draw on it without everything pulling up because they just pick whatever cheap, shiny paper they mm, put. Yeah. So I was putting down a base coat uh, of oh, acrylic right. gesso oh, on, on every single card. So wow. it was... <laughs> Smart. <laughs> so, so I had a clean finish to work on and the art would not be garbage. Yeah. And then I started doing that on a few commission pieces mm. and then finally uh, uh, storytelling pages and Sabrina and all of these covers. Very smart. How long did it take to realize to do that? How many did you go through? Or like this is garbage <laughs> paper. Like what if I just slap that? <laughs> oh. oh, it was a bunch. There, there are some yeah. really <laughs> awful cards on eBay, <laughs> <laughs> and that's only probably ninety percent my fault. I mean, was it one of those deals where you're like, "Are we damned? It worked?" Or did you? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, had, I had done it on something else. I, okay. had, I had done, but I, but I think it was like a craft project, uh, and I realized, oh, if. If this stuff won't like destroy the paper, yeah. this will be the problem. So I did a test and it worked. Okay. Um, and then I just started doing it to every single card, and it, and, it, and then, then eventually every single cover. Yeah. Then I, then I color myself. Do so you work practical then? Yeah, everything is traditional. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So no, so like all your like your when you, when you uh, do your titles for covers and everything is. Well, well that stuff I, I do in. Oh, okay. That stuff so you I do. do in Photoshop, okay. But, okay. but the the illustration. Of it gotcha. Well. Okay. So, the, so the, the finished product yeah. will have some digital touches to it. But even then, but with, with the text, I usually I scanned in uh, some very old paper that oh, I have. Oh, neat. Like the, like the backs of posters and yeah. lobby cards that have a nice brown-tinted finish, and I'll oh, put yeah. that stuff in there. I've, I've scanned uh, back covers of books just to grab like a, a, like a nice section of wrinkled oh, yeah. yeah. So, so, oh, I, so, yeah, I, so, so even that's in that Photoshop yeah. stuff, I'm putting in a lot of practical elements. That's, okay. that's great. That's awesome. Uh, what do you use for color? Like watercolor or? Uh, Not much watercolor, okay. although I, I do an ink wash with well, a watered down black ink. But for the coloring, it's soft pastel. It's basically chalk. Oh, nice. Uh, that's yeah, how, that's how I'm getting those sepia, dusty tones. Yeah. Well, it's gonna get, it, go, revisiting your work's going to have a whole different feel. Because yeah. I always mm-hmm. thought there was a digital element. I right, yeah. Digital to that. 
makes it all that much more impressive. So. No, nope, nope. I, I get I get inky and, yeah. and chalk stained fingers. Oh, say, I, I was gonna say I'll bet you're kind of a, a mess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> at the end of the day. And at the end of a day, of, if if it's a coloring day, it it is chalk dust up to my elbow. Wow. I'm, I'm getting into it. So you're like really getting. Work, like I'm working in it with my fingers, on. so so that it, uh-huh. it sticks to the page. Yeah. Great. What's so, your what's your like daily process like? Like how do you construct your work day to? Uh, typically getting up late. Mm-hmm. I get, so I'll get up uh, in the afternoon. Okay. Uh, noon, one, something like that. Uh, get up, like, almost immediately get to work. Um, stop for a meal, then immediately get back to work. Mm-hmm. And I and that basically it's that. I, I will work until 7 in the morning. Okay. Oh, wow. Then at the graveyard shift. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Appropriately enough. For <laughs> Somehow, and, and it really it only applies to art. I have a work ethic, but it only applies to that. <laughs> Sounds so about so, right. So, <laughs> if I, so if I didn't have this, oh, I'd be screwed. <laughs> so, uh, well, just to switch gears, because I, I was a little curious. So before we got started, so we're just to set the stage for everyone. Uh, we are in a uh, the back room of New Dimension Comics. We are surrounded by, would you say conservatively, uh, uh, a couple hundred uh, long boxes of, yeah. of dollar books. Yeah, a couple hundred yeah. long yeah. boxes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so before we got started, you know, we were kind of digging through the boxes a little bit. So, um, Robert, what's your, like, what do you like to read? Or or do you get a chance to read? Because sometimes, you know, we talk to people like professionals who, it, it's almost, it's kind of like a catch-22. It's like, you love comics, but sometimes you just don't even have time to read the comics that you love. Is that the case with you, or do you find time it, to... It is, it is sadly become the case. Um... I still buy a gigantic amount of comics. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to get to that stack <laughs> someday. <laughs> yeah. But from the last, I'd say just the last two years, I have a, I have probably a four-foot stack of trades that, that I'm like, they're going to be fun. <laughs> Most of them purchased here at New Dimension Comics. There's a, a really nice 75% off wall over there that, that, mm. I, that I may have bought, like the complete Eerie Arca or nice. uh, Eerie and Creepy Archives. Yeah. Oh. So let's make that a six-foot stack. Okay. <laughs> I, I might have been misremembering. So, so, oh, I'm sorry. So, 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 so there's just yeah. a ton of stuff that I love. I'm like, oh, I need to buy the new this and the new that, and I do. Mm-hmm. I will totally get to those. So, so you are buying current comics. You don't. You're not just like yeah. a total slave to like the old stuff. You still you still keep up with a lot of new stuff too. I, I still or try to. I try to. <laughs> I, I buy all the. the uh, what ends up happening is you buy all of your friends' books. Mm. Like I want to see what uh, Francesco is doing. I want to see yeah. what Evan Shannon is doing. Like I want to see what my friends are doing. So yeah. it ends up being a lot of that. Um, and uh, for me, it's a ton of reprint uh, trades of mm. like old material. I love old comics. So so now that like eerie archives are out there, and they're and uh, we live in a time where they are reprinting everything. Yeah, it, it's amazing. For everyone but my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the truth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I recently read uh, the Star Wars Adventures Vader's Castle mm-hmm. issue that you did, and uh, that was that, that really kind of took me by surprise. I mean, just the the whole horror aspect of, you know, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, they were able to take the horror aspect and apply it to Archie right. with uh, Afterlife. And uh, Chilling Adventures, Sabrina, and Vampironica, and Jughead the Hunger. They've, uh, they've really hoarded up the uh, Archie universe. Uh, I think this is the first time I've ever really read a, a horror story within the Star Wars yeah. universe. And it's, I don't know if you guys read it. It's, 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 it's basically it's like an Ewok horror story. Oh. Yeah, and it was, it was really it, it was yeah. kind of fun to read. So what was that like? Like how did how did you get involved with? I actually just looked at that, that today. Mm. I didn't realize it was yeah. it was yours. I was like, this looks amazing though. But I was, well, yeah, that's uh, was issue, like issue issue four. four. Yeah. I did, yeah, and they've uh, all had like these great uh, like uh, well, you mentioned uh, Francesco Francavilla that he's doing the covers yeah. for all these and they're all terrific. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he did a great run of covers. I love those. I need yeah. I need to pick those up myself. <laughs> um, that came out. Pardon. Mm-hmm. The uh, the editor uh, Denton Tipton, I've I've been working with for almost ten years. Uh, he did uh, Doctor Who, Doctor Who classics that I did like sixteen twenty covers for, uh, and eventually uh, he was the editor of Dirk Gently, where we did uh, three different series. I probably 
15 covers for that series. And we were just working together forever. He started doing this. And I think when Star Wars Horror came up, mm-hmm. it didn't take him very long to, <laughs> to think to ask me. He gave me a list of the different stories. And I think I came on fairly early. He's like, Here, here's the stories that we still have available. And it was a big list. Like, uh, go through ones, which one, find which one you think would work. And it's like, mm, do I want to do Poe? I could do a BB-8 story. That seems fun. <laughs> and then I came to one that just said Ewok Wicker Man. <laughs> yeah. I, am, I didn't yes. even go through the rest of the list. I, like, <laughs> I immediately answered, yes, <laughs> I, I need to do this. Yeah. And it, it turned out really great. It was, it was fun. It, it mm. made me revisit the two Ewok movies from the 80s. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Only to realize that the second Ewok mm. movie is darker than Rogue One. <laughs> Oh, wow. man. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if you can do spoilers for a 36-year-old. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think we're safe. <laughs> all right, there, there was a fan. There, was, there are two. Uh, there's a brother and sister. They are trying to find uh, their parents. They, they, they've been separated. Their ship crashed on Endor. The entire first movie is reuniting the family. Ten minutes into movie two, it's the family getting slaughtered. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they, they are just wiped out as you watch the, the smallest, tiniest, most doe-eyed child in the world watches her family is murdered. Oh my god. And then she meets <laughs> Wilford Brimley, which is its own set of problems. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's not good for anybody. No. No, but it was, a, it was so dark and so amazing. I'm like, I watched this on, live on TV, went straight over to like, fun Ewok. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but I, do you remember it? I don't remember. I, I don't. I remember I the kids. so vague. I remember right. I had the playset, and that's like, that I remember vividly because mm. it's still in my grandparents' house, that little treehouse playset. Yeah. I have vague <laughs> memories. I was born in 1980, so I was really, I think, boy, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to revisit it. Yeah, really. Yeah, <laughs> I need to rewatch it as well. They are worth it. They are oh, worth yeah. it. They, it comes at you. I'm sorry I spoiled it for you. No, no, that's no, no, fine. No, no, oh yeah. no, oh no. There's there's more horror to await you. <laughs> but I, I I spoiled just a big chunk. <laughs> so um so when you said uh, that you were kind of uh, tapped to do the the horror <laughs> the, the uh, you know the kind of the, the haunted Star Wars universe or whatever, um, being known as like the horror guy, is that something you have like? You, that you, I mean, like, do you embrace it, or is it some point are you a little concerned that, like, oh, that's all I'm going to get offered is horror stuff, or are you like, bring it on, that's what I want to do? Like, where do you fall with um, that? More the former, but I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Uh, I do enough covers in every genre that my work is out there enough that it's, I don't think I'm going to get tight typecast. Okay. Um, uh, but it was a surprise. It was a surprise to me to end up as a horror artist. Yeah. Because you know, I, I felt with my style, vintagey stuff that is, I thought, oh, I'll get, I'll get the invaders. I'll, I'll yeah. get a sort of golden age Marvels kind of a thing. And I, and this was a few years ago, before any big projects. I was doing some, going to do some samples. I thought, oh, I'll send some stuff to Marvel, and I just put out on Twitter. And th- this was long before I had anything. That decent. I'd probably done some covers, but I'm like, what Marvel stuff would people like to see me draw? And a few friends are like, and they all come back with horror stuff. Oh, you need to do Morbius. <laughs> you need to do like Howard the Duck, when H- Howard the Duck was more oh, yeah. in that universe. Mm-hmm. So it was all horror stuff. I'm like, oh, <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right, let's turn into this skid. Was horror something that you were into? Like, uh, you're a fan of the genre, or did it just sort of? I am. I okay. I, I, okay. I grew up. Uh, my mom is a huge horror fan. Okay. And so there was always something horror going on. Uh, TV, so I grew up with it and horror and like scary sci-fi, like I I love that stuff and mm-hmm. it was always but it didn't occur to me that that's the direction I should be going. Yeah, yeah. So it was sort of like a almost subconscious mm-hmm. like because I look at your stuff and I wouldn't say say it's not horror like I wouldn't say gore and slasher yeah. or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's more like tone and mood. But mm-hmm. I you've done other stuff like Doctor Who covers, even Modern Archie covers. Like they're not. Horror band. I, I, you did I, like that modern RG cover, and it's just yeah. like a GQ pose. I'm like, so like you're yeah, clearly I, I not I'm, just that guy, but yeah, I, I'm kind of a chameleon that way. Um, like, like one of the first books I pitched myself to coming out of high school was Big Bang Comics, uh, working on like Golden Age 
pastiche stuff yeah. and and working in that golden age style working like in that sort of Jerry Robinson kind of a thing or yeah. Joe Schuster I'm, I'm kind of a chameleon but the horror stuff does tend to bleed through my, my own personal style <laughs> has has evolved to the point where it's taken over I think in some of these things but but I've worked on so much stuff lately that I'm so happy that they give me so I, I've done like Goosebumps comics covers for kids um, uh, Betty Boop they, they let me draw really? Betty Boop, which is <laughs> oh, nice. So I've, awesome. so I've done a bunch of sort of kid, uh, Powerpuff Girls. I did the Powerpuff Girls oh, cover. Oh, wow. And, um, and I can kind of work my style in with theirs. Mm-hmm. So you can work in the house, sort of Powerpuff Girls style, yeah. but with a different element. And it all seems to mesh fairly well, I think. Okay, I, I, don't, I don't mean any disrespect. Mm-hmm. Who's doing the Betty Boop? Because I'm just curious who the, market is, who the audience is for Betty Boop in 2018. Oh, it was it was a dynamite book, Dynam- okay. and um, uh, Giselle uh, Lagasse yeah. from uh, the Archie books and yeah, Menage Three. Menage Three. That's her online comic. Uh, yeah. She was drawing that, and, it's a, and it is a fantastic book. I I encourage everyone to go out and find yeah. the trades or, or, or the single issues. I mean, it, it is great. She is great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm not meaning anything by it. it just mm-hmm. that's like such a deep cut throwback. Like Betty Boop seems to have fallen off the radar. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think she has. I think um, I think they did the one season, uh, the one the one series of the book. So so I don't know how it did, but I know it was fantastic. Like maybe the audience didn't go for it, but man, it was good. I mean, well, it's sort of interesting too with like the way the Archie resurgence has been in the past couple mm-hmm. of years. Um, I mean, it's one thing like when the Afterlife came out and it sort of started going down that horror path and mm-hmm. sort of like goosed it like back on the pop culture radar. What was interesting to me was like I, I was slightly familiar with like Archie and like this guy, you know, the the, the digest at the uh, grocery store mm-hmm. checkout. I mean, I had read those. I've been reading comics as long as I've been alive, and, and of course some classic Archies come through, but they're always very sanitary. You know, there's Archie, there's Archie. Mm-hmm. You know, and when reading like Afterlife and like the characters, the personalities of the characters were all there. Mm-hmm. And it was put in, in against the backdrop of this, you know, horror trope, and it worked. It worked very well. I'm guessing that it, it probably attributed to just love from the creators putting it into their passion into the project, and then just nailing on like, here's what you recognize from here, here's what you recognize from here, and it hit. Like you're deep into it. Like, what do you attribute to the fact that these like 70 plus year old teen characters are thriving just as strong? I mean, they have their own CW show yeah. now and everything. The characters are, they're archetypes, but also sort of of a blank canvas. There is something, and it it is hard to nail down why these characters resonate with generation after generation, and and across race and gender and age, and if you can bottle it, every publisher would be doing it. But there is something about those archetypes and and how well they work in and how well they work in any situation, because Archie over the, the decades has been putting them in weird situations. Afterlife right. isn't the first. There's uh, the super teens and uh, one million yeah, year BC yeah, Archie. Yeah, the superhero um, Archies maybe not. Something. It's Archie. <laughs> they're there. The superhero <laughs> Archies have had their own titles and they still run in backups. And kids love them. I one of the now shut up. <laughs> <laughs> one one of the first. Uh, Archie stories I ever read. I had I had a digest from 1982, which I still have. It was my first experience with Archie. <laughs> it had a Pure Heart the Powerful story in it, and that still resonates with me. It, <laughs> he was fighting a guy with an ice cube for a head. I don't know, but it was, <laughs> but it was fantastic, and I loved it at the time, and and certainly enough to save it from 1982. Yeah, it, it just I mean it's it's amazing to me, just because like and then you always say like the Archie meets like. Everybody under the sun. <laughs> well, I, I, I read and it's like you should have no business working, but yet it usually yeah. does. Like I remember Archie meets the Punisher back like twenty mm-hmm. some years yeah. ago. Yeah, I've seen like Archie meets Kiss, Archie meets Predator. Right. That's what I was gonna say. I met Archie meets Predator, and that was like equal parts like wholesome family entertainment and hey, the Predator just ripped out Pop's spine. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on here? Because it was all like this pop culture comic, but then there's like blood splatters everywhere, and it's like it's done yeah. in the same style, and I'm like. My mind is blown right now, you know. Yeah. Well, that that is Alex DeCampi and Fernando Ruiz just going completely insane and bringing the most abject horror <laughs> to, to the Archieverse. Like even in a way that 
I don't know, it's so grindhouse and over the top and fun. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was, it's, it was a different experience than the other horror books. Yeah. Because it was still for laughs. Still for laughs and astoundingly gory. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, is, it is brilliant. Uh, just the way that yeah. it can do that. And it really is a testament to the strength of those characters. I mean, like, even you talk about, like, the... the they're blank slate, but you know their personalities. Like, I'm mm-hmm. reading the first, like, Afterlife, and it's like, Reg... And I was telling my wife about what this is about. Like, like, Reggie runs over, like, Jughead's dog, and Jughead takes it. And it's like... And I'm like, this is... It's so silly just saying it, but it works so well. It was mm-hmm. just so... You know the character... You know their personalities, like... Like, that much. Like, you know that, yeah. the core of their personality. Mm-hmm. And then you can just yeah. think they can do everything. That's well, that, that's the thing. That's why Afterlife... And I think Sabrina, but, but Afterlife in particular works so well because it's the Archie gang. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think it works on a different lizard brain, yeah. <laughs> yeah. visceral level than like even The Walking Dead, because with Afterlife with Archie, you are watching the most horrific acts with someone you've known since you were three years old. Right. right. I think that, that familiarity right. yeah. with them and then seeing them in this. So so when Archie takes a baseball bat to his own father. It hurts. Yeah. yeah, that hurts because yeah. you've known this kid since yeah. you were yeah. tiny. Yeah. Well, well, like you said, like you know, the, with, with the art, with the archetypes, and I mean, no matter what situation they put them in, Archie's always the good guy. Betty's mm. always the girl next door. Right. Veronica's always like the spoiled heiress or mm-hmm. rich girl, and Reggie's always the jerk, and so on and so forth. Though, so, so it's like they can always be those characters no matter what setting they're in. Right. So it's like they're always. Maybe and, and maybe that's the the one uh, constant. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it could be Archie in space, and Archie's still going to be Archie. Yeah. As long mm-hmm. as Jughead likes hamburgers, it doesn't matter right. where he's at. Yeah, right. he's wearing a crown and he likes hamburgers. That's why. That's why the, <laughs> you were describing the series Archie yeah. Three Thousand uh, that ran in the nineties, I believe. Oh, really? They put Archie in, in the future in space. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I was there you go. Oh my god, that's funny. I had no idea. Seventy-five years of Archie, they've hit everything. I was going to say, wow. yeah. There's probably not that much that hasn't yeah. been. Done. Yeah. Like a, a generator, like Archie, yeah. and just sort of like. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's like a, the Google search. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's Archie space. Yeah, what, what's going to happen? Yeah, fill it in. <laughs> All right, so you're a nerd. We're nerds. This, yep. this show's about nerd. You, doc, you like Doctor Who? Do you like the new Doctor? Like the new Doctor. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying the, the last. Uh, we're three. Episode yeah. three. Episode yeah. four is tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, loving it. Yeah, I'm really. It's. Well, I mean, it's all brand new. I mean, it's a new show. It feels like a brand new show because mm-hmm. the aesthetic of the show is all right. new. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, and I love that this is a convention that they do. Whenever there's new companions, first, like, new companion episode, we'll call it the second episode this season, I always feel future space. Second episode with new companions, Earth, past. Yeah. Am I wrong, or is it, like, that's, that's, that's pretty much that's pretty right. been the everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I love how they do that. Like, the one they just did last week, the episode Rosa. Did you watch it? You I haven't watched it. All right, so it's you and me okay, now. Yeah, yeah. Is, you're, you're now the fourth host of Comic Book Pit for this one. Right. <laughs> I loved how they went to, like, they go to the desegregated, like, Alabama in the 50s, mm-hmm. like, when Rosa Parker was a thing. And the one of the new companions, Ryan, is a black dude. So, like, and, like, as soon as they get there, he's just, they're trying to interact like they normally do, but he's meeting all this, like, terrible racism. So then he goes off on his own, and you feel, as the audience, you feel literal, like, fear for his well-being. Now, you watch, like, Doctor Who, and, like, companions go off on their own, because they're, like, in, like, some random planet, and there's, like, aliens, like, there's Daleks, or there's Cybermen. Here, it's old racists. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. what you fear for the companion for. Like, it was so powerful how it took, like, what it does and put it against, like, mm. this period in our time that's fairly recent. I mean, even recent yeah. times, we, I mean, we still see this today. Yeah. Like, the, the, this type of activity, this type of hate. And I thought, wow, this is so well-crafted that, like, it, it wasn't even overt. Like, oh, like, we're in the race. It's like, oh, like, he left and he's on his own. And I'm scared for him because... There's like terrible racists out there. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I took over there for a second, but that <laughs> it was no, so it, well done. No, it, it was it was an incredible episode, and and you're right, there was that palpable fear, and it's 
2018 and people still feel that fear. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it's still there. And like I said, Things it, suck, guys. Yeah. yeah. That's what it's, but like I said, it wasn't yeah. like beat over the head. Like it was yeah. like a very subtle thing that was just interjected like for the audience. Yeah. Like for themselves to come like, oh crap, like that's the fear. Like those are the, the monsters of the week. Mm -hmm. Racist. But yeah, and she's fantastic. I, she's, I, mean, I was, um, I saw an interview with her before she, she premiered and she's like, talk about looking back at all the other people who played the role and using those performances to like inform her own take on the mm -hmm. character. I'm like, bam, got it. Like that's, that's how it should be. You're playing someone that's been played by all these other people. Yeah. Like your mm -hmm. character had the experiences of this person, of this person, you know, use all that and build on She's really cool. My wife was like, I don't know what I think about it. I was like, oh, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. uh, the thing about her is, um, it, it's been great. Because I, I know her as a great actress. I've seen her on Broadchurch. I've seen her I wasn't familiar things. with her work, so, so I, I knew, she's she, new to me. Like, she'll be good with the dr drama stuff. Yeah. And I started watching the just, just interviews with her in preparation for her role. And it's like, it comes across that she's kind of a goofball. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, she's kind of a goofball. This this will work. She'll be a great doctor. Yeah. Like that's, you need a little bit of that Tom Baker completely out of your mind bombiness. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Tenet had it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I yeah. hate to say like, oh, she reminds me of this. You know, I hate to compare any mm -hmm. of the others, but it's probably Tenet's probably the closest in the modern run of who yeah. like she hews closer to if, if you yeah. know, to encapsulate it like that. But no, I, I look forward to getting more from her as a doctor because mm -hmm. I feel like we've only scratched the surface of what she's going to do as the doctor and it's the same thing and it's the same thing with every doctor watch for the second season yeah because that's yeah. when the writers will be writing for her because these scripts would have been written before she yeah. came oh, on board yeah. probably so the next season is the one where they're writing specifically to her yeah. strengths and it's going to be amazing it, it, usually the second I, season is pretty I mean, strong like the doctor always sort of has that moment and you sort of saw it last week where she's like, it's like I'm the doctor you know I'm 2,000 years old from the constellation, so, you know, the plan, and blah, blah, blah. I'm waiting for like that moment. She kind of had it a little bit because there's like really there's an interesting subplot that they're silently weaving into it, and there was this like Tyler time traveler, like antagonist time traveler in this past week's episode. She sort of stands up to him, and you sort of see that, you know, like I'm the Doctor, you know, I'm the oncoming mm -hmm. You know, the Doctor sort of like stands firm. Mm -hmm. out the chest and it's sort of like everyone like craps their pants. Yeah. She she hasn't quite had that moment. They haven't given her that moment yet, but yeah. I can't wait for her to uh, do that because I'm sure she'll nail it. But yeah, <laughs> it's really interesting. Like I don't know what the deal is with that dude with the uh, vortex manipulator yeah. and stuff. I love when they like uh, that they were like pulling that. And mm -hmm. was that the same prison River Storm was in? It was River the same, Storm yeah. was in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, it's three episodes in a row where the villain teleports away at the end. <laughs> oh. That that could be some sort of yeah. team up at the end of the season or something. I yeah. don't know. But <laughs> my only complaint, I'm not crazy about the interior of the TARDIS. No. Nah. No, I just I, I really like uh, Capaldi's last TARDIS. Yes. That was really. And nice this thing. is kind of like a like ten, tens TARDIS with like the lights turned down. It just yeah. I don't know. I just I had hopes and it kind of felt like it. But hey, yeah. That's you know what? I loved Capaldi's it's a minor TARDIS. But I think this is a really strong design. The the sort of metal wall sure and, stuff and, the, and the crystals. I'm really. I kind of dug the whole like library like going around yeah. and stuff. But that's mm -hmm. fine. you know it, that, that's a minor. Comp yeah. It doesn't detract from my. So I'm like I'm done with this because that'll agree with the architecture. <laughs> not not my TARDIS. This is my TARDIS. <laughs> they are both great, and I cannot wait to draw the new one on a cover at some point, or maybe oh, interiors nice. if they if the if that's I thought, I thought you were going to so drop an exclusive on us or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, well, I was going to ask since since you guys are talking who and you you've done some. Doctor Who, mm -hmm. you know, covers. So, like, the first time, uh, being a big fan, the first time that you got, like, your first professional Doctor Who assignment, like, what was that like? I mean... That was 2008. Uh, I have been watching Doctor Who since I was, I'm going to say four. It was so young that I cannot quite pin down when it was. Uh, but I've been watching since I was tiny. My my brother sat me down in front of it and goes, Again, you're, you're going to like this. You're, you're yep. awesome brother. We had a, we had a, I had an older nerd to, to point me towards the cool stuff. Plus, we had three channels because it was 1980. Yep, yeah. I hear you. So, putting me in front of uh, PBS, mm -hmm. which I watched an enormous amount of as a child. So, it's all British sci fi and Golden Age comics for me. That is, that is, uh, so, he sat me down in front of Doctor Who, and I loved it. And I've been playing Daleks throughout my childhood. <laughs> and 2008, um, IDW was doing a run of 10th uh, Doctor comics, they just started. 
And I had known uh, Editor-in-Chief Chris Ryle through a message board. So, I'm, so I send a message uh, saying, if it's all possible, maybe a cover or, or interiors or something, I want to work on Doctor Who. And he came back, we need a cover. Can you do something by the end of the week? Like it was just so well-timed that wow. they needed someone exactly when I asked. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, <laughs> that was uh, Grant Morrison's Doctor Who number one. Wow. <laughs> so I got to do the, the cover for the awesome. two issues of the collection of that. Uh, then they moved me to Doctor Who Classics, and it was it was amazing. Uh, I Doctor Who is probably my first and biggest fandom. Mm -hmm. I I've grown up loving that. My my bookshelves are full of Doctor Who magazine, <laughs> Doctor Who toys. I, I I'm again a nerd. <laughs> so to be a part of that, it was insane. And, and certainly, I had a week to do it. I, I, and I think I may have even got it done early. Like, like I had no time to really process it. It was yeah. a, oh, I jumped around the studio. <laughs> <laughs> but when it hits me is when I'm looking up something Doctor Who, either for fun or references, mm -hmm. and my covers pop up. Oh, that's cool. And it's like, oh yeah, so that's not a fever dream. You're, yeah. So you're, I mean, it's you're part of it now. I mean, yeah. like you're. You're, you're part of the, the, the legacy and the lore of Doctor Who. That's got to be pretty... I can't even imagine what that feeling's like. I mostly forget that it's happened. Kind of surreal. <laughs> it, is, it is too surreal. It is too surreal. Uh, the, the last Doctor Who gig I did was the, the three covers introducing the 13th Doctor. Uh, it was the, the road to the 13th Doctor. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of the first 13th Doctor art out there... I, I, think, I think one of the first pieces of comic art that was sort of hit the internet was my first cover for that. Wow. And it was, it was and because there wasn't there weren't stills, nothing was being released by the BBC, that mm -hmm. thing like went out to like a ton of big media oh, wow. companies and, and became their Doctor Who story of the day. That's crazy. And it's like for a kid who was sat down in front of the hand of fear in nineteen eighty, mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it, it's pretty great. So have you um forgive me, I've uh, have you primarily done uh, just covers or uh, covers or have you also had a chance to do any interiors or is it I haven't done any Doctor Who interiors yet. Predominantly that, that is a thing that I'm like, I want to do it, but it, there was a problem with working it into a Sabrina schedule. Oh, okay. when, when that was more pressing, mm -hmm. I, I, uh, and just finding the right one, because I'm always like, you know, if there's a second Doctor series coming, I'd, I'd really like to do a Trout and uh, yeah. book. So it, it's a thing that I think will happen eventually, it just hasn't. Okay. It, it's certainly a grail gig to, to do some comics, because yeah. what I love growing up, uh, mm -hmm. I would get... I would find the random issue of Doctor Magazine, and I love the comic. Mm -hmm. And I, those six Doctor comics uh, that uh, I think C. Parkhouse and John Ridgway were doing in the '80s are phenomenal, and I found those and I loved them. And the the, the Dave Gibbons Marvel comic, was, I, mm -hmm. I, oh, yeah. I grew up reading those. I I bought those out of the back of of comics from Mile High, <laughs> so that I had oh, wow, the complete yeah. one of all those. <laughs> Those big yellow mile high. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was buying well, yeah. that, those. I, I loved those. I grew up reading those. And it would be nice to do some interiors at some point. So that would be the dream. It's yeah. it's certainly one of the dreams. Uh, my own my own series that, that I, I mean I've been making my own comics since high school. I yeah, mean, I've, right. I've, I've, I'm always thinking of characters mm -hmm. and, and designing stuff and stories and stuff. So it, that'd be nice. But there's like a ton of even revival stuff I want to bring out. And awesome. Are are there characters that you want to work on, like that you have, like hey that would be a, I mean besides Doctor Who. Uh, there there are. Know, like um, I've I've always loved Peter Cannon Thunderbolt, and I and I know okay. Dynamite just announced a new series, but mm. but I I have over the years talked to them like. Let's do this at some point. Okay. Like when things work out. Uh, I love that character. There's a ton of pulp characters that okay. that, that I dig. Um, yeah, there there's just like everything. I'm just yeah. I'm just I'm just happy to work. Right, yeah. absolutely. Robert, thanks again for being on the show. We really appreciate it. And we're super excited to talk to you. And, I mean, it sounds like everything's just going great for you. I mean, it's we're excited to see what comes next. Oh, it is professionally. <laughs> no, no, it's great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, okay, well, so, uh, again, thanks to Robert uh, Hack for, for being on the show. Thanks to New Dimension Comics, uh, Pittsburgh Mills, for uh, letting us record in their awesome back room full of dollar comics. And uh, don't forget to watch uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. Uh, I can't wait to watch the rest of the series. 
It's uh, have, have you have you watched yet? Like like the entire thing, or like were you privy to any the, like they, anything they ahead of time? They sent me they sent me a link to all of the screeners. Uh, I checked out some of it, mm-hmm. uh, and there's big watermarks. I'm like, ah, I can wait a week. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can, I'll, I'll check out some of the stuff that, that I had some questions about. But but uh, I started I started binging it last night. I got okay. to two. Um, the rest of the week will be devoted to finishing that off. I, you know, I watch it, and of course my mind can't help but parallel back to the 90s sitcom mm-hmm. version of it. I'm like, <laughs> See, I never watched it. I made so a Nick McCain joke, any, and it just right. went a mile over my yeah. wife's head. And that, was, that was like, yeah, that, I never watched the, like, the sitcom one, so that like, oh, I did. you know. And that's why I'm watching, I see like the ants, and I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not familiar with like, the comic material, no, me so either, yeah. I'm, my, my source material my source is, mm-hmm. is the Melissa Joan Hart yeah. version. I, I think that's most most of the audience will have mm-hmm. only that reference. Right. Yeah. right. Um, and I think they'll still enjoy it because it's still funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's super dark, but right. it still has that element. Yeah. yeah. No, it's got a great sense of humor too. Yeah. It's, it's it's a nice uh, nice balance of the the dark yeah. and the light. Which, well, no, not to get off on another subject or whatever, but that was I, why I kind of stopped watching Riverdale because it was it 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 was too heavy on the on the dark, mm-hmm. and it just got to be a little too much for me, so I, I stopped watching. <laughs> I'm actually barreling my way through season two of it of Riverdale. So. Okay. Uh, I, 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 there's not enough hours in the day. I can I watch like three shows. So well, there, there are like a crazy amount of great shows and yeah. great, and great yeah. comic based yeah. shows. Yeah. yeah I, I just finished watching Daredevil season three last night. I haven't even started yeah. yet. That was. Amazing. I had to watch a couple winnings of the World Series last night, so that was. <laughs> like, but I, I like baseball, Doctor Who, and South Park, like, a of, and The Flash. So okay, so there's those are the three shows, and then baseball. So. <laughs> Great. But yeah, watch folks at home watch uh, Sabrina if you haven't already, because yeah, it's, it's it's solid. It's a it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that first episode was yeah, really good. It was a good. I'd be saying that even if you weren't here. So yeah. <laughs> well, I'll leave the room, and then you can be honest. All right. <laughs> It's really good. It's still good. It's still good. I don't care. I don't care if he's here or not. Yeah. Uh, I'll say it to his face. <laughs> I'll compliment him to his face. Um, okay, so this has been Comic Book Pit episode 294. I'm Dan. I'm Jared. And I'm Scott. And we will see you next time.